Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Alive for More, a dialogue with Catholic young adults produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire the universal call to holiness. And now, Alive for More. Welcome back to Alive for More. My name is Father Nick Ventura, and I'm joined in the studio by Trisha Casson, Kayla Walton, and Joel Yarmish. And today, we're going to have another competition of sorts talking about doctors of the church. And in other shows, we've had other competitions, but this time we're really going to just talk about the great men and women who have led us in examples of faith. But before we begin, we need to ask God for humility and perseverance and patience with one another, especially as we enter into competition. And so we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for all that we have. Please give us the grace to always persevere in faith, hope, and love, and help us by your love to always pursue you wherever you may lead us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, before we kind of launch the competition, a little description of what a doctor of the church is. It's not someone who has their PhD or is some sort of medical doctor, but a doctor of the church is someone who we look to, who gives us the example of the faith, of someone who we can say, Look at their lives. All the saints are like this in a sense, but they have done something in their lives that kind of is a defining moment of faith. Yes, Trisha. And in particular, Father Ventura, uh, it is someone whose writings or preaching are useful in any age of the church. So there have been so many saints who have said wise things that maybe were particular to the dilemmas or the, you know, events that were happening during their life. But these people in particular's contributions to the church is ageless is timeless Mm -hmm. um and it has to be there are criteria to become a doctor of the church yes Uh, one of the things obviously is that your teaching has to be orthodox Mm -hmm. um but that doesn't mean that the teaching is infidi which is what the church teaches Mm -hmm. Uh, it just has to be orthodox does that make sense yeah it makes it it means Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to be necessarily a word for word like what the church is saying at that time but it just has to be sound and without uh, doctrinal error Mm -hmm. yes um and the person has to be an ordained saint Uh, canonized saint you're ordained Ah, a priest wow canonized a saint yes (laughs) so it's okay hey no we use that as a teaching example because some people often say ordained saints and like no 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 no. i don't know why i said that no it's okay they also have to be declared a doctor of the church by a pope or an ecumenical council Yes. So we've established the definition of doctors, and there are 34 of them, mm-hmm. right? If at, the, at, at the time of this recording, there are 34. So if there are currently 37, you have an old recording, that's okay. But hopefully this will be as <laughs> timeless and ageless as the teaching of the doctors. Does anybody know out of the 34, how many are women? Two. Three. 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 Yeah. That's three. It's okay. It doesn't count in the church. Doesn't count in the competition. I'm just getting warmed up. So. All right. We're, yeah. we're getting some. So. And just for the record, well... I was going to say, at the end, we have to list off who the three women doctors of the church are. If just they're not already Just because they are named. all so near and dear to my heart. Every yeah. single one of them. I have a weird feeling state. that one of them or three of them are going to come up in the program. So, Quite possibly. So right. does anybody want to do the honors of going first? I guess I'll go first since well, I kind of gave so the definition. Wait, just to lay the grounds of the competition, yes. are you going to describe who the doctor of the church is and then on the count of three we guess so that you can get out all the information? No, I, I think whoever, no, I mean, whoever, and if someone guesses before I'm finished all the information I want to give. Okay. Um, You'll continue. I'll continue. I'll I don't want to get too far in the weeds 
but I feel like we probably should limit the number of guesses you get. So one correct answer. I feel like you are. You don't get another. You don't get a second guess until everyone else has guessed. So if Kayla jumps the gun and set, tries to guess <laughs> right you, off the John. bat, um, then tr- both Trisha and I have can listen to the entire question and then she can guess this again. Is kind of like Jeopardy or yeah. So, so some some rules. So yes. we're yeah. getting some. God is order. God loves order. So we're putting some order to this. It's okay. great. All right. Yeah. So Father so, Nick, without further ado, adieu. So. <laughs> This doctor of the church is a male. Um, He is a priest. He really loved languages. In fact, he learned Hebrew. Yes. It was St. Jerome. Wait, you're supposed to, you're not raising hands. That's fair, but I did know that. Yeah. You did know. Well, on the record, Joel knew that, but Kayla got a point. And for the record, Trisha did not know that. (laughs) <laughs> However, so Kayla won, Trisha zero. Thank you. Yeah, everybody else here. It's okay. But so St. Jerome, he was a Bible, he's the patron of Bible scholars, of Bible study. In fact, <laughs> he is known for translating um, the scriptures into Latin, both from Greek and Hebrew. And in fact, a fun, he loved the Greek language, but hated the Hebrew language. Not because of any sort of like people thing, but it's just, it was not elegant, as he said. But the thing is, is that he started learning Hebrew to fight temptation, mm-hmm. temptations that he had. And eventually he became the foremost scholar of the Hebrew language, mm. which kind of, I chuckled, like, well, he must have had a lot of temptations. Yes, and they were specifically temptations of the flesh. Yes, exactly. Right. So yeah. um, he fought against that. There, he Wait, studied. may I ask how temptations of the flesh, how did he fight that with the Hebrew language? It was, it's an all-encompassing language. You have to work so hard and work through every detail. So basically he buried himself in his... His work so whenever he felt yeah. the temptation he just needed to focus completely on learning this uh i guess in the weeds language i mean it's it's very difficult it to, is it, i mean I, i've studied it for two years it is very involved um lots of and, and the thing is that they don't have um as much parts of speech as we do so it's just kind of all context learning so it's really interesting. Anyways, but one of the things I was hoping to get to before the guessing began <laughs> was um, he had an argument with another doctor of the church over letters, and there was a pure a good argument. Well, not necessarily good, but Jerome was was not known to be a very nice person. Mm-hmm. He was charitable, but not nice. He would call a spade a spade, and can not, we guess who he had a fight with? You may. But it won't count for she a only point. wants to guess because she be knows. A... No, 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 no. I really don't know. I really oh. don't know. He, it was Bonaventure? Over... Nope. Well, they're not the same time. It's, okay, a, see, it's a contemporary. That's, I said I really didn't know. So um, it's over <laughs> a scripture passage. You're both contemporaries. They're both in the fourth Saint century. Cyril. Nope. Is it St. Hilary? Nope. Um, wrote a big work. Um, he's another doctor of the church. St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Augustine. No. Yes. St. Augustine. Okay, so one Trisha of, won. S- no, there's uh, no points the there. Except for the fact that one minute ago you said this wasn't for points. What was their argument over? So their argument was over particular <laughs> translation. Speaking of arguments. <laughs> We're trying to talk over the argument. <laughs> so the uh, it was over particular translation of scripture, but Jerome just got antsy with him because he was saying, back off, this is my specialty, kind of got territorial and said, um, I know what you did before. And Augustine was very cordial about it. So fine. You know, the grace that preserved you is the grace that saved me. So let's just go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that they got kind good. of catty. Yeah. They, yeah. they got a little sassy That's back and forth. That's really good. The grace that preserved you, you is, is the, the grace that saved me. me. And, wow. And yeah, not to, um, I guess, Hoard in on your um, on your 
father of the church or doctor of the church. But one of the cool stories that I like about St. Jerome is an act of penance. So he, uh, similar to St. Augustine, did live a, I guess, wild uh, youth. He did, he did um, I guess, take joy in the pleasures of the world at that time. And he suffered a great deal of guilt over it. And he was really worried about it. And so for penance, what he would do is he would go hang out in the catacombs. And what he did um, is he hung out in the darkest, scariest catacombs surrounded by death and dying. And he compared it to basically the um, Dante, I think it was, no, it was Virgil's Aeneid. And mm-hmm. just like how it was, it was pretty much as close to hell as he could get is because he was so scared. It was so dark. He was surrounded by death. So he was super intense about his guilt and his penance. He was very intense about his spiritual life. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. But I think now it's time. First, the reason why we're all so excited about these doctors of the church is because by their teaching example, we can be alive for more, right. which is the show that you're listening to on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. You can listen to us Thursdays at noon, Sundays at 3, or online, on demand at stgabrielradio.com. And right now we're having a competition of doctors of the church, though really it's kind of not as exciting as it was. But, I mean, we were just talking about St. Jerome, but mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, it's not yeah, as it's exciting just... because I won. No, no you no. <laughs> you haven't won yet. There's so, still three more. If you want to talk about exciting, we can talk about my doctor right, of the Joel, church. I ahead. am not very good at holding my cards close to my chest. So if you saw my paper and know what my my father is, I don't know, or my doctor is. Good luck. Um, so his um, or her, um, both. <laughs> no, it's, it's a man. No, this is this is a male doctor of the church. Um, both his brother and his sister are saints. Okay. Oh. Um. And what's kind of cool um, is his father tells a story of uh, when he was an infant, uh, bees came to rest on his face when he was in the cradle. And um, uh, yeah, go ahead, Tricia. Can I guess? Sure. I think it is St. Cyril. It is not. Uh, so, Trisha, you don't get to guess uh, until... Okay. I know his sister. Hold on. All right. Continue, Sorry, Joel. Um, continue, so Joel. the... Uh, it would be a weird story if the bees just came to rest. But what um, after they left, the father um, saw that they had left honey on his tongue, on his face. St. John Chrysostom. Also incorrect. Um <sighs> Uh, so these are all for you, Kayla, I guess. Um, so uh, <laughs> the honey was left on his face and his father took it as a sign that he was going to be a great and eloquent, eloquent speaker. Um, so uh, another cool thing about him is he was really wise. People knew him far and wide as wise. Um, and he was very uh, well versed in the terms in, in theology, but he wasn't Catholic. So the um, during there was a crisis going on when he was uh, alive and it was uh, Arianism. Mm-hmm. which um, basically um, Arianism is not true Catholicism in the sense that they believed uh, that God and uh, God, the son was created um, after God, the father at a certain point in time and was thus uh, not on equal plane as him. So uh, a bishop wa- died and was uh, part of the Arian sect and they needed to replace him. So they all picked this, per- this particular doctor of the church, even though he wasn't Catholic and he wasn't a priest he was just um, so charitable to everyone and so well-versed in theology that everyone thought he was an ideal candidate. So he said, no, I don't want to do it. Uh, and I think it was actually all the way down from the emperor said, no, you're going to do it. And so he was baptized, he was ordained, and then he became a bishop all in the same week. Um, so, <laughs> Yeah, I know uh, the story. I know who it is now, but and, my guess is already gone. And this is the part of the story that uh, really resonated with me, and especially since you said that the doctors of the ter- church are the teachers that sort of go, 
you know, transcend their particular time in the church because he reminds me a lot of Pope Francis. He um, is a guy that's well-respected in his time, um, very charitable to other people, lived out his faith, gave away all his money, gave away all this, all his earthly belongings to just serve. Um, and um, he, um, he was just a really through and through great Catholic. Um, he was the Bishop of Milan at the same time of uh, Augustine's conversion. Uh, Augustine was said, this guy's really great, but he's super celibate. And I don't think that I'm, that that's something I'm capable of being. Um, and, uh, he is, uh, known to have promoted the, uh, antiphonal antiphonal chant, which is basically one side of the choir, um, responds alternative. Kayla, don't you know? You can make a guess now. So the, yeah, I should, I I think everyone's tired of hearing my voice. So if you want to break it up and, and take a stab at it. Okay. So I'm struggling. There's two. Pick one. Why don't you just give me one? Okay. All right. I'm going to pick one. All right. Um, Oh, geez. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This is St. Gregory. It is not. St. Ambrose. Oh. It is St. Ambrose? Ambrose. Yeah. Oh. oh, you said it too fast. Sorry. Yes. Good so, job. Um, Wait, is his sister St. Scholastica? No, that's no. St. Benedict's sister. Benedict, that's oh. right. But, Joel, oh. I'm interested in how I'd never realized St. Ambrose wasn't Catholic, and he has um, siblings who are also canonized saints, so I'm interested, were they the siblings Catholic after his ordination? So it or? could have been a sign of the times that a lot of people were not baptized until their deathbed, so I don't know if he was... Um, a Catholic who was never actually baptized. Well, that, and so that, that's that was, typically what happened back then with Augustine. He wasn't baptized until he was much older. Um, in fact, before, even after his, like, going out and so his So it might be more of, so. of a fun fact than it is anything other than that. Um, but one of the cool things about him is his teaching has kind of laid the foundation for other popes when he taught about the virginity of Mary and her role as mother of God. So he was a great teacher uh, of Mary and stuff. So just a reminder, you are listening to a live for more on uh, AM St. Gabriel AM uh, 820. Um, you can listen to us um, on Thursdays at noon and Sundays at three. I forgot time what time we were on uh, or anytime online on demand at St. Gabriel Catholic radio. So it sounds actually like, Joel, who are the siblings just real fast? Do you, know? Uh, you know, I don't, I think the brother's name was like Satiris or something like that. He wrote a, uh, okay. he wrote a book about his, um, his brother, Okay, um, they were canonized. You can look that up. Siri. Actually, I'll ask Siri while it uh, while we're well, well, the score is Trisha one, Kayla one, Nick, Father Nick, and Joel zero. Um, so Trisha, since Kayla's looking that up on Siri, would you like to go? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, so my patron or my doctor of the church is the patron of headaches. They. Oh, Excuse me. They were born 20 years after Columbus sailed the blue they, in they? 1492. There's two? Or they? This person. No, she's trying to be. This person. She's trying to be gender, gender. gender neutral. Boy and girl. You say his or her, she okay. or he. <laughs> Sorry. They's um, for plural. Uh, they are. They were. He or she was born in Spain. They were born. Or he or she Abela. was born. Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh. yes! Wow, Teresa Bell, I almost... See, well, that's good, Kayla. I'm happy for you. See, Thank this you. is gracious Thank conceding. What, what else do you know about her? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, so St. Teresa of Avila is wonderful. She's kind of like a feisty saint. 
And um, <laughs> kind of seriously, <laughs> she's feisty. She's <laughs> the best. Uh, so she was born um, twenty years after Columbus went to America. Two years after Luther started the Protestant Reformation. So she was born in this time where a lot of changes were happening, mm-hmm. um, especially with the Protestant Reformation. Uh, she w- was born to a Catholic family, and her dad was very pious, but almost scrupulous and very strict. And he taught her to never lie. And her mother was kind of like a free spirit, and she loved to read romantic novels. And I think the father didn't want his wife to read romantic novels. Uh, But Teresa also liked them, and so her mother taught her to just make sure your dad doesn't know. (laughs) That's the the biography I was reading. And so um, they talked about how from an early age, Teresa's conscious, like her conscious, was always struggling with, like, what's right and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um. So when she was a teenager, she was just like this fun-loving uh, young woman, and it, it, was, it said that she was very flirtatious and uh, cared a lot about like what she looked like mm-hmm. and boys, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much like any teenage girl. <laughs> not any, yeah. but most. most. Um, yeah. And so her dad did not like this, the strict dad, and so he sent her to a convent at the age of 16 um, just to get her away from that lifestyle. When she was at the convent... Um, she wasn't sure if she wanted to get married or be a sister, and it was actually a really hard decision for her to make. She wrestled with it back and forth. Uh, and what made her decide, her rationale to decide to uh, stay in the convent, was because um, she thought it was a holier place for her to be, and she realized that she was prone to sin, like we all are, but mm-hmm. I think she was very aware of her concupiscence. And so she thought that the convent would be a place that would uh, protect her almost from choosing to do bad. But when she entered the convent, she realized it was actually the contrary. At that time in the church, uh, convents were, um, and in particular her Carmelite convent, it, it said that the sisters like wore makeup and were really concerned about status and money. Um, they would have, you know, uh, parties all the time. And this really disappointed St. Teresa. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it talks about in her biography that uh, she went through a time where she got malaria, and in, you'd think that maybe like that sickness would turn her to a deeper prayer, but it actually made her stop praying uh, when she got so sick. Uh, and so she realized when she stopped praying um, how empty she was. And a priest for her penance said, like, you need to start praying again. And after that moment, um, she started writing about prayer and uh, the Lord gave her so many mystical experiences, and so she would kind of dissect these mystical experiences with practicality. Mm-hmm. And um, and through that, through her her teachings and writings on prayer, uh, the the Holy Church has uh, announced her as a doctor of the church. Um, and she was just very practical uh, and straightforward. Woman and yeah. straightforward. It talked about how she was really likable, and that was like a cross in it for her, in a sense, um, because. Uh, it people really cared about what she had to say and wanted to always be around her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would distract her from being with the Lord because she was too busy worrying about her friendships and wanting to foster her friendships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she writes about how she overcame that. Um, there was so some of her mystical experiences that St. Teresa would actually levitate in prayer. Mm-hmm. She's one of the saints who would her body would actually rise from the ground when she was in union with the Lord. And she described um, this union with the Lord. She said she could feel the Son of God melt her soul away. And I just think that is uh, such a beautiful image mm-hmm. and something we should all strive for that, I, you know, I want to experience prayer 
so much that I can feel my soul melt away from like the rays of God. And I've always loved St. Teresa of Avila because she's also very pragmatic. I mean, just Mm -hmm. and just like with some of her words, like, for example, one time she became just kind of talking about the history of her. She became one of the the heads of the Carmelite order for Mm -hmm. the sisters. Mm -hmm. And she would travel on from convent to convent in a carriage. And sometimes the carriage would get stuck in mud or something. And she would say something like, Lord... No wonder you don't have so many, uh, you don't have friends. Look how you treat the ones you do have. Yeah, (laughs) which kind of just shows like the, her relationship with the Lord. It was like on such a friendly basis, just like Mm -hmm. she could talk to him like she talks to anybody. Yeah. Um, So when she had these mystical experiences, people were saying like they're from the devil, like this can't be true. And, um, and that was obviously conflicting for her. And she talked about how she knew that they were from God because they only brought her peace, inspiration, encouragement. And we can still use that insight today. You know, mm-hmm. how do we know that like mm-hmm. what we're hearing in prayer or what decision we're making is something that God wants us to do? We know because it brings us peace, inspiration and encouragement. Um, and then just another practical thing at that time, the convents, when they did commit sins or do something extravagant, they would do penances that were like very extreme and hurt themselves. And um, St. Teresa would say that like when we sin, we don't if you do something wrong, don't punish yourself. Change. You know, yeah. just like something mm-hmm. so practical. Yeah, that's, like, it's very, yeah, like, like, very pragmatic and very straightforward. It's like, okay, don't don't cut off your leg. Let's heal it mm-hmm. um, instead. Mm-hmm. But now, okay, so the score is Kayla 2, Trisha 1, uh, uh, myself, and Joel 0. Father, so now, I have one and a half because I guess... No, that doesn't okay. count for a All point. Right. That doesn't oh, count for a point. Just, just, just as a, a stat in figure really quick. Um, uh, St. Ambrose's brother and sister were Satyrus and Marcelina. So... Um, you hear the St. Marcelina, I think, I, at least I do a lot, during the um, Litany of Saints. Marcelinus is different than Marcelina. Well, yeah. there you go. Um, so, <laughs> Kayla, why don't you, you go ahead? Yeah, what okay, is your... great. Okay, so uh, first of all, I'm so glad that Trisha did St. Teresa of Avila because she is so near and dear to my heart, and I love everything about her. So um, there's actually, just to put a little plug in, there's a super good video. It's like six hours long, and it's in Spanish. There's only English subtitles, and it goes through her life. And I saw it probably three three years ago when I was with the sisters. And to this day, there are still images stuck in my mind from that movie. Um, and it's very, very, very true to life. So I would see it if I were you. Okay. Um, okay, so my doctor of the church... Um, it was uh, the 23rd child from a very large family. Wow. Catherine Sienna. Way to go, <laughs> wow. Trish. Okay, Good two job. and two. Okay, so we're going to have to have a tiebreaker, so you two better come up with a tiebreaker question for Trisha and I. Okay. But anyway, right. so St. Catherine of Siena um, is close to my heart, too, because she is my confirmation saint. Um, and to be honest, the reason why I chose her when I was um, going to be confirmed was because she came from a large family. But as I've gotten older, I've learned more about her life. And one part of her life that I really just want to touch upon is her relationship that she had with the popes at the time. Um, There were, um, and it was in 1378, the Great Schism began, splitting the allegiance of Christendom between the two, between two, then three popes, putting um, even saints on opposing sides. And so she spent the last two years of her life in Rome in prayer and pleading on behalf of the cause of Urban VI and the unity of the church. Um, And she just, you know, she strove to be for the church to be unified. And um, I just think of how bold and courageous this woman was. You know, she didn't come from a family of royalty. She she came from um, 
let's see here. It doesn't, I can't remember what her parents did, but they weren't, they weren't of nobility. And yet, yet she's uh, having these conversations with popes about the importance of being unified. And, you know, I just think how in the world did she get from the 23rd child of a large family to it? being an audience with the Pope and having conversations mm-hmm. and telling him what to do. Was. Like, and she right, was a very right, strong right, woman, right. And like being very strong. And how did she get there? Well, clearly it was just because of the grace of God, but also because she, she knew what our Lord was calling her to do. And she wasn't afraid to do it. Um, and one of my favorite quotes that she said was, if you are what you should be, then you will set the world on That's fire. That's what I was about to talk about that one. That's, yeah, I always yeah. say that whenever I'm right, teaching a class. Right. So. And it's just, if you are what you should be, you will set the world on fire. And uh, I mean, talk about a woman who set the world on fire to go from a small little village to uh, telling the Pope what to do. I mean, whoa, that's huge. That's awesome. And so we have the tiebreaker now. We have two minutes left. So yes. we've come up, Joel and I have con, uh, have consulted each other, and we've come up with the final question. Okay. Um, who is the latest doctor of the Saint church? St. Therese of Lisieux. No. I'm Saint... Well, I feel like that's a deceptive question, because she is the last person born to become doctor of the church. She yeah, was but the latest person recent, named. Most recent name. That was a vague question. Um, it was. Uh, yes, the quiz team champion. St. Cyril of Jerusalem. Nope. Um, it, it's a common name starts with a G. We're just going to go. St. Gregory the Great. Nope. St. George. It's Gregory. St. Gregory of Nyssa. Nope. It starts Saint, with an uh, N. Nazarin. No. Nope. St. Oh. Gregory of Nyssa. Nope. I just Na- said that, Nazian. didn't I? No. Yeah. Nope. St. Gregory. All right. Nazarene. No. All right. I'll just give you this. St. Gregory of Nerec. It was named in, if you can name what year he was named 1954. Can't, can't even name this. Okay, yeah. name the Pope who named him. 2001. Pope John Paul II. No. More recent. Pope Benedict. No. Nope. Pope Francis. <laughs> you got um, it. Pope Benedict in 2011. No, it was Pope Francis. Pope Francis. All right, fine. So no, Trish, it wasn't. It was not. It was, it was a, Pope Our Francis. producer is saying Pope Benedict. No, it is Pope Francis. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll have to check the stats on that well, one. Well, now I'm but, interested about who St. Gregory is. But now, well, now we can look it up. But unfortunately, we have to close right now. We have a great competition. Trisha, of course, won. Except uh, not really. Yeah, except not really. But we'll no, see. We'll nope, just have no. to revisit this. So we're going to close in prayer. I'll go ahead and um, invite Joel to close uh, us right. in prayer. All right, great. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we're so thankful for all of these great doctors that you have provided the church uh, in the time that we need them. We thank you for their teachings. We thank you for the example that they give to us. And we pray for the strength that we need to live lives um, similar to theirs so that we can end one day in heaven. Um, we pray, Hail Mary, full of, of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us in the conversation. Please join us next time on Alive for More on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Please pray for us, and we'll pray for you. Thanks, and God bless. Alive for More is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Alive for More and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Sanctity